Bible study, everybody. Glad you're here. It's good to see you all tonight, and look forward to what God has for us. And open our time in prayer. Father, thanks for your love. We ask God you fill this place with your love tonight. I pray that we would uh, be recipients uh, more and more of your love in our lives. And I pray, God, that as we receive of you, that we would love you more and we love one another more. I pray you'd fill us, fill our hearts, fill this place. If we ask it in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. If you have your Bibles, let's open up to the book of Galatians. Galatians chapter 3 and verse 17. Galatians 3.17. And as we're opening up to that, just want as a quick reminder, if you are not physically here and would like to participate in some way in the Bible study, we have an option for that. Set a website at www.speakpipe.com slash Monday Night Bible Study, all one word. There's a button there to toggle, and you can leave us what would appear to be a voice message. And it could be a question, a comment, or whatever you'd like to leave us. Uh, we'd love to hear from you, and we'll try to play it at one of our meetings in the near future. So uh, take advantage of that. We'd love to hear from you. Galatians 3, chapter 17. Anybody like to uh, read that for us? All right, thanks for reading that. Now, there's a lot of information packed into that verse, and we're going to refer to a couple of verses around it also, but there's a lot of things in that verse that we need to get straight because uh, uh, for whatever reasons, we don't have it straight. And by we, I mean the church. I mean in general. So uh, in the book of Galatians, Paul is addressing a church that would appear to have been straight, uh, they, they had kind of their idea about what was going on. They didn't have the same problems as some of the other churches had. They weren't struggling with some of the same things that some of the other churches struggled with. And so they really didn't have any kind of issues like that. Uh, but they had their own issues. And part of their issues were religious issues that they had come out of and were still a part of in some ways a religious tradition. And so they struggled with some of those things and reconciling some of those things within that tradition. So uh, this is one of the things that Paul was straightening out with them. One of the things that he wanted to make sure that they understood. And, and so I think this is a great message for us. I think this is a great message for the church, a great message for us even tonight, each one of us. Because we all come from different places. You came out of whatever tradition you came out of. It may have been some type of a Christian tradition, maybe not. Uh, maybe you came out of a different tradition. But what I, what I want you to hear tonight, though, is if you did come out of a Christian tradition, there are certain things that probably just aren't right. I came out of a Christian tradition, at least when I was younger. And um, I, I have nothing bad to say about the pastor because he was my grandfather. But there are certain things that we didn't have right and certain things that we were doing that... Uh, I don't do as a pastor that I don't I, I, I don't and I, I wouldn't and so I, there's certain things that I believe that as God reveals and as God shows and as God uh, continues to open up his word to us that we can get it straight and we can get it right even in our own lives so listen up and, and that's really what I want to say all that to say is just listen up and see what God might speak to you through this and what he might say so Cam having said all that you want to read that again All right, so, so what promise is he talking about, do you know? Like he's talking about two different things. He's talking about the law that was established in Mount Sinai, the, the, the commandments that were given there. All right, so he's saying that that came 430 years later. So what came 430 years before that? What, what do you think? Abraham. Abraham, right. And so what he's talking about, and if you look at it in context in Galatians 3, 
what you see there is you see him talking about this, this promise that was given to Abraham. And that was this, that all nations would be blessed through his seed. We understand to be Jesus. And so he was given a promise about blessing. He was given a promise about how the whole world was going to be blessed through his seed. And, and see, he tried to make that happen himself, and he couldn't. He tried to produce that, but he couldn't. And it was God who eventually made that happen in his life and in his wife, who was way too old to have kids. They were both way too old to be doing that. But they did it. And God produced a son for him. And it was through that son that then there would be others and there would be other generations that would come after them to the point, as God said, that they would be like the stars in the heaven or the sand on the seashore. But that was what God told Abraham. And so there was a blessing associated with that. And, and so he made sure he tells us, that, well, that's the promise. That Abraham, that, that the whole world, every nation would be blessed through Christ. And everything that was promised to Abraham was fulfilled in and through Jesus. Go back to verse 15, Cam, and see what that says. What does that say? Right, so the inference that he's making here is that he uses an example. And he says, okay, if people have agreed on something, and it's a done deal. All right, so whatever happens after that doesn't really affect the deal that was already made. At least that's the way it was in their society. And that's the way it used to be in our society, too. That if you shake on something and that's the deal, that's the deal. You know, it's shocking to me that, that people don't do that anymore. And, you know, I, I talk to people who work in business these days, and it's like, okay, well, we shook on the deal. Well, that's the deal. Well, yeah, it doesn't work for you anymore, so let's renegotiate. And so that's what happens all the time. So there is no deal. There is no contract. A signature doesn't mean anything. But in their day, it did. In their day, if they established a covenant, if they established a contract with each other, and that's really what that's talking about, then it was done. And so, okay, what if a better deal came along? Well, that deal's already done. What if uh, a different deal came along? Well, that's done. What if circumstances change? It's a signed contract. It's done. Do you understand what I'm saying? And so he's saying, well, this is an example from everyday life. So then he moves ahead and he says, okay, what came first? What came first? What came first was the promise to Abraham. That's what came first. In fact, it was 430 years before Mount Sinai, 430 years before there was a law. Now, you've heard me talk about this before. There was a, a whole culture, there was a whole primitive faith that existed before there was any law. And Abraham was part of that, and Job was part of that. And there were so many people, the, the whole history of the patriarchs, they were all part of that. They all existed, they all had their faith. They all served God. Before there was ever any kind of law given on Mount Sinai. And so what God told Abraham came first. That was the contract that was made. And so whatever came after. And this is the point of this verse. What was to come after that does not affect the first contract. The first contract was that God spoke to Abraham. Every nation would be blessed through his seed. Meaning Jesus. That was the contract. And so we, as a people, are grafted into Jesus. In other words, we are the branches. He is the vine. So we're engrafted into him. We grow out of him. Right? So we're, our life comes from him. So the promise that he was given, the promise that Abraham was given, and then that promise flowed through Jesus, flows through us. We're part of that. And this is the point I'm trying to make. This is where the Galatians got it wrong. This is where the church gets it wrong. That which was promised 430 years prior to Sinai was the original agreement. And that promise that then flows through Jesus flows through us. That's the reality. 
And nothing that happened in between those things affects that. Nothing. And that's the right thing. The wrong thing is allowing what happened after that to either supersede, distract from, or affect what Jesus has done. That's the wrong thing. And that's what Paul was trying to correct with the Galatians, is that they had allowed the law to become more important than the promise. And what Paul was telling them, he said, no. The promise was given 400, why 400, why did he mention 430 years? He mentioned 430 years because the longer the time, the, the more great the promise was. In other words, it lasted that long prior. You think about 430 years, I mean, we've only existed as a nation for 200 and something, 240, maybe, or whatever it is now. And, and again, I, I bring this up a lot, but you've got to put this in perspective. I mean, they were wearing white wigs and they had wooden teeth. All right? When the nation was established, they were still in horse and buggy. They were writing with quill pens, dipping it into ink and writing. That was, you know, that was when our country was established. Now, double that. The promise was given double that before Sinai. And all of those generations that came after the promise was given, the patriarchs and all the rest that would come after them, they, they were all given, the judges and all of them. And here we are. I shouldn't say the judges. Judges came after. But you think about the patriarchs and you think about those that came out in between and all the years that they were where were where's most of those 400 years for them? Egypt. In Egypt, they were slaves. They were slaves. But all of those generations that came and all of those generations that went, I want you to think about the strength of their faith. They didn't have Sinai yet. They didn't have a written law. They didn't have anything telling them, you got to do this, you got to do that. If you do this, you don't, all the rest of that kind of stuff. Didn't have any of that. And yet, for 400 years, even in slavery, they maintained their faith. <laughs> to the point that when Moses came along and he said, okay, let's go. I mean, it was time. And it was time to leave. So all of that took place. All of that took place before anything was written down in the form of a law. So the promise came first. And the idea behind it is that once a letter is sealed by a king, all right, once the king writes his letter and seals it, nothing can be added to it. The letter's written, it's done. It's sealed, it's sent. Nothing to add. All right? And so whatever happens after that, whatever is consequence of that, it doesn't affect that letter. Understand that. The law had no power to cancel or affect the promise that was given to Abraham, which was fulfilled in Christ, which is now in us. The law has no power over us. None. Unless we allow it. You see, the law was an add-on. It had its own purpose, but it was an add-on. The promise was enough. So you can ask, well, why did God do that? Well, he's got his reasons, all right? But it doesn't affect what he told Abraham, and it doesn't affect what he's doing through us now. The law had its own reason. There's no way, there's no new way that God came up with a blessing the nations like he said he was going to do. Think about that for a second. He didn't come up with a new way to do that. The law doesn't bless the nations. He already said how the nations were going to be blessed. How? Through, his, through Abraham's seed, through Jesus. Now through us. That's how the nations were going to be blessed. There's no, just, no new way of justification. There's no new way of relationship. No new way of sanctification. No new way of holiness. You can't obtain the blessing by any other way. It's by the promise. The promise came first. That was God's provision for all of those things. Then how come we look at the law and make that the provision. Think about that for a second. Why? Why? 
Why do we get that wrong? How did they forget? They did forget, right? How? How'd they forget? The promise came first. The promise was well established. The covenant that God made with Abraham was long before the law ever came out. So how did the law overtake it and they forget, at least in any practical way, what God had said? Don't you think about that? They weren't living out of that covenant, were they? They were living out of Sinai. And so whatever the reasons for God establishing that, when Jesus came along, he is the fulfillment of God's word to Abraham. And so if we're going to look for blessing to the nations, we've got to look at Jesus. We're going to look for justification. We've got to look to Jesus. If we're going to look for relationship, sanctification, holiness, we've got to look for Jesus. If we want to obtain a blessing. It's going to be through Jesus. There's no other way. See, the law is something that we feel like we can control. We think we can do something. We can earn that. We can make that happen. We can somehow produce that. And it's a lie. It's wrong. You are wrong. They are wrong. Whoever's telling you that is wrong. Even Sister, Sister Gladheart that taught you in Sunday school, if they intimated that that was the way that you got sanctification, or justification, or relationship with God, they, she, that blessed sister was wrong on that. And that's okay. It's okay if, if Sister Goodheart was wrong. I'm wrong about plenty of things. It doesn't mean you have to still live in it, though. You see what I'm saying? You don't have to carry that. You're not dishonoring Sister Goodhart. In fact, Sister Goodhart's probably in heaven right now and is pulling for you to change your mind. At this point. So I, I want to encourage you toward that tonight. So the law, it, it had its, its, its place or it had whatever it was supposed to do. And I'm not going to get into that tonight. But it had nothing to do with the promise that came first. Nothing. Nothing. And so if we're going to live in Jesus, if we're going to live in, in that promise that was made to Abraham that came to us through Jesus that is now in us, branch to vine, vine to branch, then we've got to leave behind all the other stuff. We've got to leave behind the whatever was in between that had nothing to do with us. Nothing. That had nothing to do with us. Most of us, I don't think anybody here is even Jewish. I don't think. I mean, you can get a DNA test to find out for sure. I was a little surprised when I got my DNA test, but that's, that's a whole different story. Well, pretty much. Yeah. So, so that has nothing to do with us. And, and that's, that's a bold statement. And I'm sure if anybody listens to this and they have a, a particular perspective on things, they think that I'm out of my mind. I probably am a little bit, but for other reasons. But not for that. That's a strong statement. But I believe it. I do believe it. So, somebody look at Romans 4.14. For if those who depend on the law are heirs, faith means nothing and the promise is worthless. Right. So, if the law is something that you're going to depend on, where does that leave you? Nothing. And not only is it nothing for you, you're also making what Jesus has done and what the promise God gave to Abraham as nothing also. So it not only affects you, but you're also making a statement about God's plan and God's purpose. A statement you don't want to make. Nobody wants to make that statement about God's plan and purpose. We don't want to tell God he's wrong. We don't want to tell God he didn't get it right. 
We don't want to tell him, no, 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 that's not what Sister Goodhart told me in Sunday school. We don't want to tell him that. We want to put ourselves in a position where, God, you're always right. And if I think something differently than what you're saying, then I am obviously, obviously, obviously wrong. And I'm willing to accept that. I'm willing to roll with what you're saying, God. I'm willing to hear you, and I'm willing to apply that to my life. Now, this is going to sound like, and, and I want you to think about this, and, and I know all the arguments against what I'm about to say, but I want you to really think about this. The law was a temporary thing. The whole way that, that covenant was put onto Israel and, and all that it did was a temporary thing. It wasn't meant to be a forever kind of thing. Because can, we can think of like whatever the purpose was that God had for that. I mean, you can think, okay, well, what did the law accomplish? Well, what was it supposed to do? And you think about it. It says in the Bible in a couple of different places that talk about the law. But one of the things, that it says, well, it was supposed to be a training tool for people. And it was supposed to be like a, a babysitter. You know, but the, you understand when the Bible talks about things like that, it says, oh, it was supposed to be like a babysitter and someone just watching people. Now, does that sound like a permanent thing to you? Babysitters aren't permanent, are they? No, no. You leave your kids with a babysitter, you go out, you come back, right? You come back, you come back, and then they go home. Right? It's just a temporary thing. And that's the sense that I'm talking about this in is that, that, that the people were put under, the, they were whatever they were underneath that, that babysitter that they had in the law. And, and that's what it did its job. Did it work that people never sinned when they were under the law? Did it eradicate sin? No. No. And, and you know, one of the biggest arguments that I hear about when, when in the past, at least, when I would teach on things like this, I'd be talking about how, you know, the law and all this other stuff and how we're not no longer under that, and, and I would just, very simple things. You know, I'd have guys tell me, you can't say that. People just go out and they'll do whatever they want. It's, it's, like, it's like they thought or they think in their minds, well, the law worked. Did that really worked? And, man, if you tell people they don't have to follow the law, man, they're going to go crazy. Well, the law didn't work. It never worked. Right, and that's what they did. I mean, that's why they got taken into captivity. Twice. Well, I mean, you think about, like, like there's their history. God, oh, we love you, God. Oh, we, we hate you, God. We love you. No, we hate you. We love you. The law was still there in that whole history. It wasn't working. And you, and, and, but the way people talk about it, it's like, oh, this definitely works. It doesn't work. It's like if it was a surefire thing and you were telling people to ignore it, it's like and everybody that followed it, man, they were super holy and they were super righteous and it was really working and people were really close to God through it and we're telling people to ignore it, then I could understand somebody saying something about it. The fact of the matter is it never worked. It's a loser proposition. It worked as well as it was going to work and it wasn't that good. And so by telling somebody, okay, we're no longer under that, what are we really losing by saying that? Nothing, because it didn't work anyhow. We're losing the, we're losing the illusion, the self-deception that somehow we're different and it's all the other people that couldn't hack it. That self-righteousness that comes along with it, with legalism. You guys, you don't know what I'm talking about? If you don't know what I'm talking about, good. Don't even think about it. But those of you that have lived under that, those of you that have experienced that, those of you that have seen that firsthand, you know exactly what I'm talking about. And that's the only thing you're leaving behind. And that's no good. In fact, that's that stuff that's made of when Jesus said, unless you forgive other people, you won't be forgiven. Okay? Yeah, that's what that's made of. So leaving that behind, no problem. 
Leaving behind the lies, no problem. Leaving behind the guilt and the shame, no problem. Leaving behind the self-righteousness, no problem. Leaving behind the pride, no problem. How about leaving behind a loser thing that never worked? No problem. No problem. I don't see the problem. Right? And, and, I, and I've had to, as long as I've been in ministry, over 30 years, I've had to defend that position. As ridiculous, and I'm saying it, as ridiculous as that sounds, I've had to defend this position over and over again. And nobody, nobody can tell me how it's working. Nobody. Nobody. Unless they're self-deceived. And most of the people that are arguing with me about it, they know they're not that holy and they know they're not that righteous. So what's the argument? There is no argument. And it's like what Paul told them. He's got it wrong. He's got it wrong. That law that came along 430 years after the promise and covenant that we're living under, that law that came along, that, that you know, how many centuries afterwards, it didn't supersede anything. It didn't become more important. It didn't nullify. It didn't do anything to that promise that was made to Abraham that came through Jesus and now is rolling through us. It doesn't affect us. Because that's how we're supposed to live. That's where life is. And that's the point. Life is through Jesus. He is life-giving. He is. And, and when we stop trying to pretend something else, or we stop trying to, you know, try to make something happen, or whatever, whatever, and we just come to the place where, you know, God spoke this promise, covenant, Blessing to the nations, Jesus, us, this is what we're doing. That's what we're doing. All that other stuff, whatever, whatever. I just, I'm, I'm concentrating on and I'm looking at, this is what Jesus has for me. And I am not, I am not, no way, going to just take up some loser proposition for no reason. I'm not going to do it. I'm done with it. And I pray that you can be done with it too. Because that promise that, that God gave to Abraham through Jesus is still in force. It's still in force right now. I, I believe that. I believe that God's called us to be a blessing to this neighborhood. I believe that God's called us to be a blessing to the nations that have gathered right here outside of our door. I believe God has called us to be a blessing to the nations that are represented up there and even beyond that. We've been a blessing to other nations that aren't represented by flags. They may be more represented by the pins that are up there. But that's what God called us to. And we're not going to find that. We're not going to be a blessing to those nations in any other way than what he has prescribed and what he said. There's, there's no other way to do it. We can't make it happen in any other way. And so it's Jesus. It's, it's the promise that God gave to Abraham through Jesus and into us. And as we go forth in that anointing, we go forth in that call, we go forth underneath that covenant. We have the power and the authority of covenant going with us. This is God's word. One thing you can be sure of is that God honors his obligations. And so whatever he said, whatever he said, he's going to honor. Let's look back. Genesis chapter 12. Genesis chapter 12. Somebody read verses 3 and 4. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And 
Okay, read that again. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. So Abram went, as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he departed from Haran. Okay, that came first. Does that seem really simple? Does that seem simple to you? Because that's pretty simple, right? So that's what came first. That's what's still in effect. We, you want to make it more complicated. It's not. You want to try to come up with something better? There is nothing better. That's his word. That's what he said. That's the promise that was given. And so what would it mean if you actually lived in that? What would that mean? Think about it. How would that change the way you go about your life? How would that change the way you see yourself if you could actually live in that? Anybody want to tell me? No, really, tell me. How could your life change if you could just live in that? That's a powerful word. It's simple. Simple word. Maybe you've got to read it a few more times. Read it a few more times if you need to. But I want you to think about that. How would your life change if that's what you were living in? What would have happened if that's all you were taught when, when Sister Goodhart got you into Sunday school? And she said, okay, here's the deal. Here's the deal. Whoever blesses you, I'll bless. Whoever's mean to you, I'll curse. Through you, all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed. Anybody want a cupcake? Yes. So what, what would have happened? What would have been different about life? I wouldn't have spent so much time with those on getting hit by a ruler. Right? <laughs> right? No, that's simple. But what, what was the, yeah, do you understand though what I'm saying? Because the ruler has a part to play in what we're talking about tonight. Because you came out of a tradition, a stricter uh, religious tradition, Right. Right. And what were they trying to teach you through that? Behave. Behave. What? That you have to do something. Right. So if you act right, what, what's the definition of acting right? Whatever they say, right? So they're the authorities. So they tell you, do this, don't do that. If you do what they tell you to do, do you get hit with the ruler? No, but if you don't do what they tell you to do, what happens? You get hit by the ruler. Yeah. And you've all heard, you've all heard these things. Some of you probably heard this as a child. You know, God's not happy with what you're doing right now. You ever hear that? Yeah. Yeah. All of that is control. All of it. All of that is control. And, and all of that is not right. It's not right. None of it. And that's the problem with the church is we didn't grow up as, as the children of the king. That's the problem with the church, is that we didn't grow up in freedom. We didn't grow up with the knowledge that, that God is, is that personal with us. I'll bless those who bless you. I'll curse those who, who curse you. And all the nations of the earth are going to be blessed through you. All the families of the earth are going to be blessed through you. you see, do you see how you could see yourself differently? If you weren't just being just mashed under control, if God wasn't some entity out there as being represented by a religious authority who was out to get you if you didn't do exactly what they were saying, do you kind of see the difference between those things and how that the one control thing that we that we were just talking about that that just that suppresses us? What are we ever going to do for God? Nothing. Just try not to get in trouble. Don't go do anything. Because you might mess up and then somebody's going to hit you with a ruler. Just be quiet, sit in the corner, and hope you don't get in trouble. Yeah. Yeah. That ain't winning the world for Jesus. Not at all. That's not even living. It's not even living. And so somehow... You gotta get called. You gotta hear the call out of that. The simplicity. All that needs. We we gotta leave it behind somehow. 
How many years of counseling is that going to take? I don't know. I don't know. All I'm saying is we got to leave it behind somehow. Because it's, it's killing what God's called us to. It's killing the gospel in us. Because there's so much good news. And there's such a simplicity to that good news. I mean, I really, you look at the teachings of Jesus, and he's undoing a lot of stuff. He's undoing a bunch of stuff and then doing other things, but there's a lot of stuff he's undoing as he's teaching. Why? Because he's trying to set us free. He's trying to get people free. I never worried about getting people too free. Never. Never, ever worried about it. It's like, well, yeah, well, you can't do that. Yeah, I can. I want you more free. Well, what if they all go nuts? Good, more free. Because it's not, the place of control, the place of fear is a place where we will never, ever, ever be effective. We will never be the church that God's called us to be. Ever. It's impossible. It's the place of freedom. It's the place of liberty where we begin to experience that. It's a place where we recognize who we are that as God's people, that we are a blessing. We are. Not that we're going to do blessed things. We're a blessing. Just the fact we're here. You know, if, if you ever, if, those of you that have done the, the internship, you know, Dietrich Bonhoeffer talks a little bit about this when he talks about salt and light. You know, you're not making salt or you're not making light. You are salt. You are light. It's a recognition of who we are. The world exists because we're here preserving it as salt. That's why we're still here. That's why it's still spinning. That's why these people have jobs and, and all the rest that's going on in this world is because we're here. Yeah, you, me, we're the salt. Here we are. We're preserving the earth for what? Whatever God has for it. I can't tell you that. Whatever he has for it. But the reason it's still here is because we're here. We need to understand that and see ourselves that way. We are blessing to the families. We are blessing to the nations. It's just who we are. And God's going to bless all these people through us, through me. He's not going to bless the, the families of the earth if you're hiding in a corner afraid to mess up. He's not going to bless the, the nations of the earth if you won't come out of your shell because you're afraid somebody's going to hit you with a ruler. You're going to live in fear. We're not going to be effective. We're just not. And we're not going to live freely. And we're not going to really experience what it is to, to be God's children that way. We can't. We just can't. And so where is the challenge? Where's the challenge? Well... Everything that needs to be done for you to be free has been done. There's nothing left to be done. There's, there, there's no more. Like there, there's, the, the, the provision's been made. The door's been opened. The call's gone out. The promise was made thousands of years ago. The promise came to flesh, came to life through Jesus. And, and, and he lived and he died thousands of years ago. All that's been done. And then he, then he ascended and he anoints us and he comes and he lives in us. It's done. There's nothing else to be done. The only limiting factor that's even left is in you and in me. We're the limiting factor. It's not the devil. We can blame the devil, but it's not the devil. The devil's even been defeated. Jesus said you can trample upon snakes and scorpions and over every work of the enemy. You can bind the strong man. Doesn't sound to me like the devil's the problem. The problem is in here. The problem's in here. The problem's in us. We've been living under a system that has oppressed us. Right? I'm, not, I'm not trying to get too weird here with you, but has, has made us fearful of becoming and living as the people God really created us to be. We're not living in the promise. We're not living in the covenant. We're not living in what God said thousands and thousands and thousands of years ago. 
We've accepted the lies. And we've accepted the fear. And we've hidden ourselves away. So I, I can only encourage you. Don't be the limiting factor. And that's tough. Go ahead. And along the way, because I've known you long enough, along the way, there's mistakes. And there's ups and there's downs. And we all make them. And we all live with them. But we grow together. I'd rather grow in, in a free fashion, in liberty, and make my share of mistakes and my ups and downs than to live a slave. I'd rather live freely. And I made that decision a long time ago. We shared a verse in church. Um, somebody shared a verse, I think Layla did, from Proverbs, where there's no ox, there's no mess. But if you want a harvest, you need an ox. And if you got an ox, you know what you got? You got a mess. Yeah. All right. We want to do nothing. We can keep it pretty clean. I want to do something. I want to do something. I want to do something with my life. And I want, I want you to do something with your life. And I want us to do something together. Well, there's going to be a mess. All right. I, I know that ahead of time. I knew that ahead of time already. So there's going to be a mess. So, so be it. Well, I don't like messes. Yeah, you, you probably don't get much done either. Huh? Yeah. Last week, I, I spent a good portion of the week working on a car, a dirty, greasy car. There's something I learned a long time ago. If you want to work on a car, you know what's going to happen? You're going to get dirty. <laughs> There's nothing you can really do about it. You, you know, I've tried wearing the gloves, you know, so I don't have to scrub my hands so hard. They just rip, you know. It's rip. It's a, whatever. It's going to get dirty. You want to work in the soil? You're going to get dirty. You want to get anything done? You're going to get dirty. It's okay. It's okay. And so in our lives, you know, we, we hide. We live in fear. We, we don't want to get punished or we don't want something bad to happen to us. And even consequences, someone we just make up and they're just in our head, they're not even real. In order to really live in liberty, you want to live as a free man or a free woman, things are going to get messy sometimes. And you're going to make mistakes, and we're all going to make mistakes, but we're all going to go through it together. So, don't be the limiting factor. You don't be the limiting factor. Everything's been done. Everything's been accomplished. You don't need to do anything. You don't need to produce anything. You don't need to buy anything. You don't need to sell anything. It's already been done. Everything's happened. So, so easy peasy, right? Just move right in. Slide right into that promise. Slide right into that place, right? 
Well, it is really literally that easy. It is. But like I said before, you know, how much has to be unpacked in our heart and our mind to, to allow us to slide into that place. All I can do is say, hey, get started. Get started. Get started unpacking that stuff. Get started throwing the stuff out. Get started just leaving it behind. Get started cleaning the shelves, cleaning out the closets, cleaning out the dark spaces, all that stuff. And, and, and really feel yourself just sliding into what God has for you. There's a lot more joy there, a lot more purpose. There's a lot more authority. I, I tell you, there's a lot more authority. And it's really, really a neat feeling to know that you're a blessing to the people around you. You're not just some neutral figure that no one really knows what you're up to, but you're actually a blessing to the people around you. You know, when I go places, and I, I say, and this is going to sound weird, but I, you know, I, I've, I've been different places, and I, I've been around different kinds of people, and I don't always take a super active role wherever I'm at. Say I go to a gym or something, a lot of times if I'm just working out there, I just work out there. I don't do anything. But I do know that I'm going to be a blessing to those people somehow. I know that. And I'm confident in that. And so... That's part of my reason for being. It really is. They may not want that blessing, but man, they're going to get it. Hopefully they want it. If they reject it, what does the Bible say? I bless those who bless you. And what about those that, yeah, that's what he said. Yep. Not my problem. Moving on. Moving on. Moving on. All right. Let's take a few minutes and pray. And I just want to encourage you to respond. Just respond. See, you know, what does God have for you? Maybe God has some things for you to throw out tonight. Throw them out. Kick it out the door. Maybe there's some things that came right up right away. You just know it. Kick it out the door. No reason to dig any deeper. Got some things popped up while I was talking. Throw it right out. And then move deeper. You don't need to pick the thing off the back and bottom of the pile first. Just, just go with what's obvious. Go with what's right up front. Start throwing stuff out one thing at a time and, and get to the bottom of it that way. Just one thing at a time. Top to bottom. Heavenly Father, I pray that as we spend a, just this moment in reflection, I just ask that you would reveal some things that are in the way. That if we're, as we are the limiting factor and really living in your promise, really living in, in that covenant that was established with Abraham, really seeing that through our lives, we're the limiting factor. God, I, I pray that we can begin to toss the things that are in the way. So whatever the most obvious things are, I just I pray, God, you're cleansing over us as we confess things, uh, that you are faithful and just, you forgive and you cleanse, God. As we recognize some bad ideas, God, I pray that you cleanse us and cleanse our minds, cleanse our heart of those things. God, I just ask that you'd set us free. You've called us. You've made us to live freely. That's how you made us. That you endowed us with freedom through your creation. And, and whoever's tried to take that away from us, whoever has tried to, to, to somehow mute that in us, God, we shake that off in the name of Jesus and we embrace the freedom that you give. It's a, it's a gospel freedom, a good news freedom that is in us tonight. And we shake off the lies and we shake off the boundaries that were artificially placed on us. 
I pray for a new level of freedom, a new level of liberty in our hearts tonight, in our soul, in our spirit, in our mind. Have your way, Lord. So shake some things off. Throw some things out. Ask God as you're doing it. Pray for his cleansing over you. Some bad ideas. Toss them out. Pray God's cleansing over that. As you do it. We don't want it anymore. We don't want to see it. We don't want to hear it. We don't want to know it anymore. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, God. So God, I pray that you would continue to reveal freedom and liberty in us. And I ask you, God, that we'd be able to live in the simplicity, the simplicity of what you've said. Even if we're, we try to complicate everything in our brains, I pray, God, that this simplicity would just be so real and so easy, we'd find a way just to dwell in that simplicity tonight. Thanks, Lord. Yeah, we give you thanks. We ask these things. Seal your work. Seal your truth in us. We ask these things in Jesus' name. Let's agree by saying amen. 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 God bless you. It's good to see everybody tonight. Thanks for coming.